Amen. Does that fire you up? That's really good news. Go ahead and have a seat and grab your Bibles. That's really, really good news, my friends, that we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. Does this sound like a song you guys know? Anybody know? I know that he is living. Whatever men may say, I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice. You, do you know this? And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. Come on. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Amen. Excited about that? That's really good news, my friends, that we serve a risen Savior. Man, that was a blast from the past, wasn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, you want some more good news on top of that good news? Yeah. One person? You want some more good news? You, you, come on, come on, you guys. Are you, you're awake, right? Yeah. You want some more good news? Yeah. Here's the deal. When we're confused, when we are perplexed, when we are heartbroken over news like what we've received about Myanmar and what's happening over there and all around the world. Uh, when we don't know what to do next with the thing that's coming in our lives, the good news is that we can go to God's word for answers, God's living, powerful word, the truth, the only absolute truth that exists in the world. We can go to his word for the answers, and that's really good news. That's what we're all about. We stand upon God and his word, and this is the only thing that is foundational to everything else that we do here at this church. Every true church is about the word of God. You know what I heard this week? I heard this report, that you can't find answers to every question in God's word, true or false. Actually, it's true. I hate, to, I hate to tell you that, but I search, and I cannot find a recipe for grilling the best filet on the planet. I just can't do it. You can't find that in here. Um, you can't find how to be a master gardener, and as spring is coming, to be able to put together the perfect garden. You can't find the instructions to that. And unfortunately, you can't go, wouldn't it be awesome to have like the Bible YouTube channel where you know and you could trust that everything, like on fixing your car, you know it's exactly the right thing to do and it's perfect instructions? Wouldn't, only, I'm the only one who would be excited about that? You can't find any of that in the Bible. We're on, when it comes to those kinds of things, we're on our own and we're on, uh, we have to rely on each other for those kinds of things. But hear me now, everything, the Bible tells us that everything, everything, you hearing me? 
everything, everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. You, you up there, are you guys awake in the balcony? Everything, right? Say it. Everything. You guys online that are joining us, everything that pertains to life and godliness can be found right here in God's holy, powerful, inerrant, preserved words. And we can trust it. We can go to it to find the answers to the things, the critical life matters that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And today we're going to go into his word to find answers to this critical question, who is my enemy? More pointedly, the sermon title is this, who am I fighting with? Because um, would you agree with me that the battle is real out there? It's important that we talk about this, and it's going to feel awkward to talk about the things that we're going to talk about this week and next week in this little mini-series called The Battle is Real. But you need to understand, every believer, every child of God needs to understand that we are in an every moment of everyday battle for our very lives. Those of us who are alert spiritually are aware of the fact that there is the scent of war in the air. And if you're alert at all to what's happening in the world around us, you know that things are ramping up. We live in a day of encroaching darkness. We live in a day of intense unrighteousness. And we live in a day of unparalleled perversity that's being boldly and blatantly celebrated on the public scene like never before. I'm going to point out a couple of things to you that are disturbing. And hopefully none of you are even familiar with what's called Out Magazine, which is the, a leading LGBTQ magazine. And they are celebrating with these headlines Queer women win big at the 2021 Golden Globes. Here's another one. Queer women dominated this year's Grammy Awards. Now, I'm I'm assuming none of you watched the Golden Globes or the Grammy Awards. I hope nobody in here, hearing my voice, watched that. If you did, you know what they're talking about. I didn't watch it, but I saw clips, news clips in the news about how horrible it is and interesting it is that lesbianism in its most base form is being portrayed as normal in our society and somehow acceptable and celebrated all the while we're censoring and shutting down Dr. Seuss. Doesn't make a bit of sense to me. I mean, does that bother you? Things are getting worse. I mean, we're getting to the point. We're in a nation. We live in a nation under God. We're living in a nation that had as its foundation the very words of God and God's plan for mankind. And yet we're taking a downward spiral really fast. 
And those things that are not acceptable to God are being celebrated and actually put before our children and our society as though it's normal. And this is acceptable. This is normal behavior. Here's another one. Comes right out of their latest headlines. Marvel to introduce gay Captain America later this year. And if you read the article, I read a portion of the article, they want to make sure everyone understands that not only is he gay, but he's going to be married with children. And this is what is becoming normal in our society. I mean, I'm telling you, my friends, we're going to soon owe Sodom and Gomorrah a big apology. There you go, Phil. Not supposed to talk about these things, right? Why is it so quiet? (laughs) This is reality. I mean, this is just what happened in the last week and a half. Does it concern you? Our world, our culture, our homes, our children, our very lives are what the Bible calls a spiritual war zone. And it's vital that we understand and have a full grasp that the battle is real and that we have an enemy. And you need to understand who the enemy is, where the battle is taking place, and how we're supposed to function in the midst of all that. And so we're going to go there. So take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And while you're turning there, let me explain to you what's happening here, okay? Are you excited about Easter coming? Are you excited that we get to meet together this year for Easter? (laughs) And we are. No matter what, <laughs> we're meeting together this year for Easter, and we're, um, we're ramping up to Good Friday, and Good Friday, you heard the announcement earlier, Good Friday's all about the veil. Remember the veil that stood between the people and the Holy of Holies, and how that Jesus came, and on the day he died, the veil was rent in two, which gained access to everybody can come now boldly before the throne of grace and find grace to help them. We're going to celebrate that on, Easter, on Good Friday, and then on Easter Sunday is all about the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the crucifixion and the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. And what I'm going to do today and next week is talk about the villain. We have the veil, we have the victor, and the victory. I'm talking about the villain. I'm going to be talking about this week and next week about the reason that Jesus had to come and die on the cross and raise for us because of sin that has entered the world and the evil forces at work that brought that sin and that temptation into the world. I think it's important that we have all of it in in mind as we move into this holy season of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're gonna do in these next two weeks, okay? This week is all about who is our enemy. Next week's gonna be things you need to know about Satan. So hopefully you'll come back. Hopefully I don't run you off this week with this one. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Paul says this to us, and if you remember when we were speaking about, and and when we did our series in Ephesians, it was all about the understanding the foundational things that we need to know in order to live victoriously in the world of evil that is out and around us and what the church needs to know. And so he gets to the end of the 
book, and he says this, finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Truth number one that we want to deal with today is this. Intense war is upon us. Intense war is upon us. I'm going to start with verse 12 and work my way backwards, if that's okay with you. I'm going to start with verse 12 and answer these questions. Who are we at war with? Where is the war taking place? And what is this war all about? So here we go. Who are we at war with? Ephesians 6, 12, this is what he does. This is what Paul does. He starts out by telling us who we are not at war with. And he says this, our struggle, got it, is not, underline that in your Bible, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, our battle is not with other people. Do you understand? It's important that you understand that. Our battle is not with people. Even though there are a lot of people out there doing evil things and doing evil things against us, they're not working for us. Some are working in evil ways to hinder us and to stop us, to aggravate us, to bring us into all kinds of conflict. And so we automatically think that those are the ones that we're fighting against, right? We automatically think, well, they're, they're the enemy, and we need to fight against that. Do you agree with me? See, I, I bet you if I were to ask all of you, where is the source of your current frustration? Where is the source of your current conflict? Where's the source of your current discouragement? Every one of us would produce a list of people who the scripture is clear to us is not our enemy and yet we think that they are yeah but you don't know my sister she's a real problem you don't know the pain you don't know the pain that is in my family you don't know my mother-in-law you know, I don't know where that all came from. I have an awesome mother-in-law. I'm not saying that just because Robin's sitting in the room. I really do. I have an awesome mother-in-law. Um, but some people don't and think she's like the enemy. You don't know. You don't, you don't have a clue, Phil, how bad my father wounded me when I was young and how it has totally messed up my life. You don't understand the boss that I work for. If you knew the boss I work for, you'd know he's the enemy. How about my fellow church member that I have a problem with? And they've hurt me and they've harmed me. They're certainly the enemy. Some people think their pastor's the enemy. He's always telling me stuff I don't want to hear. He's not even nice. Of course, I'm not speaking of myself. <laughs> Am I right? How about this? 
that politician over there, oh, now you woke up, didn't you? That politician over there is making my life miserable. They're making decisions on my behalf. Anybody with me? Does that irritate anybody? You know, I was in a life group. Rod and I were visiting a life group on Wednesday night, and we were talking. I was giving them a little preview of today and what I was going to be talking about. And one of them, when I got to this point and started talking about it, one of them said, you mean the Speaker of the House, Phil? Totally messing up our lives. Which they are to- they got to be the enemy. They're doing, they're wicked people. They're doing wicked things, right? Right? They are. We always see and think that our very real battle and struggle, that our, our real hardship and loss, um, all the real heartache in my life is about people, and if I could just get that person out of my life, then everything will be fine, right? If I could just fix that person, or if I could just, if I could just fix all the people around me, life would be wonderful. You ever been there? Come on, you guys. Am I the only one who thinks these things? Hear the word of the Lord. Your problem is not other people. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I was convicted about this so bad last week. How awesome was it when the Dr. White was here and he spoke to us, a great message. When he got to the part about the enemies of the cross and he said, my friends, you need to understand they're enemies of the cross. They're not your enemies. Man, that just drilled right down into my heart. And I had to sit through that twice last week and hear that. And it really convicted me because I tend to see people who are working against the church of Jesus Christ as the enemy, and Paul is making it clear, they're not your enemy. And you can't see them as that. In fact, before we were Christ, before we were in Christ, the Bible tells us that we were enemies of the cross. We were enemies of God. And we need to understand that all these people that are doing wicked things in our world and doing wicked things against us, and that's reality, They are just doing what the scripture says. They're doing the will of their father, the devil. Just like we were before we came into Christ, into a relationship with the Lord. And they need Jesus just as bad as we do. They need to be forgiven just as much as we do. They need Jesus Christ. They need the gospel. They don't need our condemnation. We need to be praying for those people that are opposing the the scriptures and opposing the church of Jesus Christ or opposing us. We need to be praying for their hearts to be changed because the Bible says that they, their eyes and are blind, their ears are stopped, their hearts are cold. They don't even understand the things of the scripture that we talk about so freely. They don't even understand it because Satan has got them blinded and he's keeping them there. They need us to love on them. That was what was so convicting with me last week because I tend to see other people, especially who are fighting against the things of God as the enemy. But our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not with other people, no matter how you feel about that. Okay, so who is it with? Look at verse 12 again. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but circle that, because here's the real answer, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. Do you hear that? Hear the word of the Lord, my friends, 
There is a powerful, stratified, well-organized horde of demons that are set against and working really hard against God and his will on earth and the children of light, you and me. That is their job. Paul doesn't make things like super break it down for us, but there's like some sort of what we find in here, and especially the way that it is written matters in the scriptures. And so there's some kind of categories or levels of authority, levels of power, and different purposes within this evil horde. It starts with rulers. He says rulers. It's against, our struggle is against rulers. This is the evil forces so there's some kind of ruling class in the demonic uh, horde. And then it's against, which would, would, would suggest they're the highest ranking demons. And then there's a group of authorities underneath them. And then it talks about the powers of this dark world. If you were to study this, most scholars that I read on this, they believe that that's describing and referring to demons who have infiltrated various political systems of the world in an attempt to pattern them after Satan's realm of darkness. So in other words, there are certain demons that are assigned, that are working underneath the rulers and authorities, and they are assigned to just political systems, and not in America only, but I mean worldwide. And so they're infiltrating them, and they are controlling them, and they're working things not for God's kingdom, but for Satan's kingdom. And they're trying to bring Satan's dark purposes to bear in the political world, which runs and governs the people of the world, so that Satan's plan, Satan's will, can be done on the earth. That's what they're all about. They're assigned to that. That's crazy. And then you've got spiritual forces of evil. Those are believed, these are demons and believed who are involved in the most disgusting and vile of all immoral behavior in the world, particularly as we see in extremely perverse sexual practices, the occult and satanic worship. That's what we're up against. Let me say it again. This is describing a powerful, stratified, well-organized horde of demons that are set against and working really hard against the children of light. That's our enemy. I believe, as I was studying this, I believe that there are more demons at work in the earth, in the earth's sphere, in this, what we're gonna hear later is the heavenly realm. We, we be, I believe there are more demons at work than there are people. How do you feel about that? And you might ask, well, why do you say that, Phil? And here's why I would say that, because if you listen to the scripture, if you read the scriptures and study this, we are told that God created angelic beings, and there are so many of them, they're too many to number, they're innumerable. And so you've got this a massive innumerable host of angels that have been created, and do you remember how many Satan swept his tail, swept with him down to earth of that great angelic host, how many he brought to earth, does anybody remember? One third. He took one-third of the innumerable angels that you can't count. They're like the stars of the sky. And so it's very possible that there are many, many more demons on, uh, that are influencing the earth than there are actual people. That's a little scary. Especially when you think about the fact that they're making war against God's people. 
And it's interesting that Paul doesn't explain any further about this demonic horde because that's not his goal. His goal is not that we know them intimately. His goal is to give us an idea of the sophistication and the power of this great enemy of ours. All of these are our enemies. And your mother-in-law is not looking so bad now, right? Seriously, this enemy is real and powerful. One commentator wrote this, Satan, the fallen powerful angel and his fallen hosts have been tempting and corrupting mankind since the fall. They are an evil, formidable, cunning, powerful, and invisible foe against whom no human being in his own power has in any sense the resources to match. It's true that without the Lord Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, we are no match for the powerful horde of demons that are coming against God and his plan and his people. I am not talking to you, and I'm gonna say this again at the end, I'm not talking to you about this to scare you. We have nothing to be afraid of. Jesus is, he said, you're gonna have trouble in the world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I am an overcomer. You guys don't need to worry about it. You possess the Holy Spirit of God. And as long as you're equipped and as long as your submission, and we're talking about this, in submission to the Lord, as long as you have your armor on, you have nothing to worry about. But Paul wants us to understand that we have an enemy that we struggle against. And it's not other people, it's a demonic force that are powerful and they're after us, always have been, always will be until Jesus takes them and casts them into the hell fire for the rest of eternity. So that's our enemy. So now, um, where is the battle taking place? Let's look at verse 12 again. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. Here it is. Ready? In the heavenly realms. Oh, that helps us, Paul. In the heavenly realms. That's awesome. Does anybody know what he's talking about? Come on, anybody want to stand up and wax eloquent? I read and read and read, and nobody wants to talk about this. There's a couple of crazies out there that want to talk about this, but nobody wants to talk about this because we don't know exactly what this means. Here's what we do know. It does not mean in heaven. It doesn't mean that this, these spiritual forces are at work in heaven, okay? It calls it the heavenly realm. Better spoken would be the spiritual realm. You know we live in, we live in the physical realm, and then there's the spiritual realm. And it's a realm we don't understand, but it's kind of scary out there. I, I, don't even, I don't even know how to explain it to you, except maybe, maybe we get a little glimpse of it if you think about a two-way mirror. You ever been in, a two, ever been in the presence of two-way? You know, like you go to a grocery store sometimes, and you're walking through the grocery store and you look over and you go, why is that whole wall one big giant mirror? Well, and you can only see yourself, right? And you can only see the store, but there's people behind there and they can see you and they're watching you and they're aware of your every move and they're watching to see if everything's okay down on the store floor. They're wanting to make sure everybody's, nobody's stealing anything and they're watching you. The management's back there. I don't know how else to explain it to you except something like that. We live in the physical world and we can't see into the spiritual realm. They exist in the spiritual realm 
and they are aware of us, and they can see us, and they can hear us. Does that creep anybody else out but me? I'm not saying this to scare you. It's just reality. And if you stop and think that there are possibly more demons than there are people, then we all may be assigned a couple of different demons to watch over us and to look into our lives and fully aware of what we're up to and they only have one goal in mind and that is to thwart the plans of God and to stop God's people from being effective and that's what they're up to. They're watching us. I hate that thought. They're studying us. They're looking into our lives to see how you think, do you know, you parents, okay, you kids can just take a break right now and just not listen for this. You parents, don't you study your children and like you know your children, right? You, I mean, I could tell, I could tell if any of my kids were telling me a lie. I could just tell because I studied them. And I could tell their man, by their mannerisms whether or not they're telling me the truth or whether they've done something wrong. I used to love to get into this with this little game with them. I say, hey, hey, I'm going to the store. Why don't you go with me? Because I could tell something was wrong in their world, and so I would get them in the car, and this is what I would do. Okay, you got something to tell me? I didn't know if they did or not. And they would be like, no. Then I knew I had them. And I would say, you know, you'll get in less trouble if you've done something wrong. You'll get in less trouble if you tell me about it than if I have to tell you about it. I didn't have anything in my head. And they would always go, oh, I did this or I did that. I said, I knew it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Listen, the demonic world is watching us and they're looking for ways to trip us up. They're studying us. And you might not like the thought of that and you're like, you just ruined the rest of my world, Phil. Now I'm gonna be thinking there's a demon behind every bush. There is a demon behind every bush. They are at work, and they're looking for ways to trip you up. They're studying you. They're in the spiritual realm somehow, watching over and trying to get in the way of God's plans. And we can't see them. That's what it means. But let me just say this. Lean into this, because we, we can't fully understand what is actually happening in the spiritual realm. Let me just say that the most important battlefields of life like the most decisive and real battles, the make it or break it matters that are happening in our life is not happening in the physical realm, it's happening in the spiritual realm. The make it or break it deals and the matters that matter the most are in the spiritual realm, not in the physical realm and how it must break God's heart to see his people making everything in their world like the battle is about their finances. When God has said, what are you worried about your finances for? I'm going to provide your every need. Don't worry about tomorrow. I'll take care of that. And yet we spend all of our time and all of our resources and all of our effort worrying about our finances or worrying about our careers when God's like, that's not where the battle's happening. I'm sorry if this offends you, but so many of us, and I believe it breaks God's heart when he sees parents that their biggest concern is like their kids' education or their kids' sporting events. Like that's gonna make or break everything, how many sports they're in and whether they're winning or not. 
When the reality is like what? Like a 0.2% of kids, all kids go into some kind of sports activity in their adult. I don't know. I'm making something up right now. <laughs> I'm a little irritated about that. But how, how it must break God's heart to see the parents working in their own lives and in the lives of their children, all worried about the things that are in the physical when God's like, don't you understand that the things that really matter are happening in the spiritual and you're spending all of your time, all of your resources, all of your effort on the things in the physical and you're neglecting the spiritual things. And this is where the real battle is. I'm telling you, that's what Satan wants from all of us. That's what the demons want. They want us to get off of the things that are spiritual onto the things that are physical and be all worried about this. And as long as we're all worried about this, we're distracted and we're not thinking about the spiritual and they can move in and do whatever they want. It's important that you understand that, my friends. It matters where the battle is taking place. So intense war is upon us, truth one, truth two, my word, I'm really in trouble. This, the enemy is scheming to take us out. Truth number two, the enemy is scheming to take us out. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Let me just say this, it is so important that we be like Paul, who writes to us in 1 Corinthians, we will not let Satan outsmart us, he says. We are not ignorant of his scheming. You need to understand, and Paul wants us to know that the enemy is scheming to take us out, but what does God want us to do in the face of that truth? Put on the full armor of God, and then run for your lives, right? Run for the hills, the enemy is powerful, so run! Run, Forrest, run! Is that what he's saying? He's not saying that to us. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand. You can take your stand and you can fight against the devil's schemes. He doesn't want us to run and hide. He doesn't want us to be hunkered down and fearful of what the devil's doing out there and what the demons are doing. Have knowledge of it, armor up, man up, woman up, whatever you want to call it, and stand, take your stand. In fact, you know that the only time that God wants us to flee, does anybody want to take uh, a stab at that? When does God say flee? Temptation. At temptation, at your youthful lust. It's like, flee! Here comes your youthful lust. Run for your life. Here comes Satan and all his evil hordes. Take a stand. Go to war. Put on the armor. Go to war. That's interesting to me. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. That's first. See, there's preliminary work that we need to do. Submit yourself to God. Then... Resist or oppose the devil, and what will he do? He will flee. <laughs> He'll be running. You'll see him tuck tail and run. Isn't that awesome? Submit yourself to God, and he will flee from you when you resist him. When God's people submit to God and his word, when they put on the full armor of God. And if you study this out, you'll see that that putting on means a permanent putting on. I'm gonna never take it off. And when we do that, 
When we are equipped to take a stand against the evil schemes of the devil, he will run and flee from us. You've got to do the work of putting on the armor. We've talked about that in many ways. But if you aren't armored up, and all of the armor that we put on in Ephesians 6, it's all defensive. But you've got to be ready. I mean, what warrior goes out to battle unprepared? You've got to be prepared, but when you have on the armor of God, and when you permanently put it on, I'm not taking it off, stand. Stand against the the, the forces of evil. Stand against their powerful horde because you're equipped and you're ready to do it. It's time for God's people to take a stand and draw a line in the sand and say, you shall not pass. You're not coming in here. It breaks my heart, and I know it breaks the Lord's heart to see so many people who aren't willing to take that stand. It's high time we take our stand against unrighteousness and the scheming attack of Satan on us and our families and on his church. It's time that we've said, hear me now, that we have had enough of living in the past, that we have had enough of living for ourselves It's time that we stop giving in to the temptations that all the demonic horde are bringing our way and the allurement of the things of the world. And we say, we're not doing that anymore. I'm not going there anymore. I'm not following that path anymore. I don't want any more of that. I'm putting on my armor and I'm standing for Christ in righteousness. It's time to stand up and say, I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. I am a child of the light. I have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of me, and I'm going to walk in the strength and power of the Lord from this moment on. I'm standing against all that the horde is bringing to bear into this world and into my life. I'm going to stand, and I'm going to fight, and I'm going to be a man of righteousness. You aren't going to have my kids. You're not going to get my family. You're not going to take my marriage. I'm tired of living in defeat. I've got my armor on I'm not taking it off and I'm taking a stand and it starts today and you can make that decision today if you've been messing around with the things of the world and you've been distracted with the things of the world praise God you can confess that and you can armor up and you can take your stand today and say no more I'm not giving into that anymore I'm not giving into their schemes that they have against me right now That's what the church needs today because the battle is real. Families are broken because we've acted as if there's not a war going on. Men have stopped sitting on the wall and being a watchman on the wall for their families and for the church of Jesus Christ because they don't believe a war is on. Pornography addictions multiply in the church because we've acted like there's not a war going on. Domestic violence seeps into the church because we're acting like there's not a war going on. Hidden sin festers in the church because we've acted like there's not a war going on. Complacency is normalized because we're acting as though there's not a war going on. My friends, the battle is real and it's time to take a stand against our enemy because like never before, he is scheming to take every single one of us out. You know that word, the devil schemes? 
Are you Pastor Blodgett sitting over there? Yes. Man, you look just like him sitting there. Okay, you're coming into focus now. You look just like, I was going to say, Pastor Blodgett, you're sitting in a place I've never seen you sit before. <laughs> Are you old enough to remember the King James Version? <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I used to read this in the King James Version. I was taught in the King James Version. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the, you know what it says? Remember what it says? The wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. We don't talk like that anymore. You remember this character? You remember him? Who is he always trying to blow up? The Roadrunner. If you were like me, Saturday mornings was awesome for the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner hour. And I would get up and watch cartoons and I would watch him over and over again scheming to take out the Roadrunner. Always working a plan. And you know what his name is? Wile E. Coyote. Wile E. Coyote. You know what that word wily means? Here's the definition. Deceitfully skilled at gaining an advantage. That's what scheming means. That's what the wiles of the devil that's exactly what's going on. All of the wicked, evil forces are lined up to skillfully take advantage of God's people. And Paul says, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's time to take a stand because they're watching you from the invisible realm and they are skillfully building a custom-made plan to defeat you and to destroy your effectiveness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I told you that they're watching, but they're also scheming. And I believe they're custom designing a plan with you in mind because they're watching you and they know where you're vulnerable and they know when you're tempted and how you're tempted. And so is it any wonder that the very thing that you're tempted the most about sumptuously appears before you? Is it any wonder? I've had guys tell me that they're struggling with their, in their minds about certain things and certain vi visible pictures, and they'll be driving down the road, and a billboard with those exact things that tempts them the most, it's like miraculously pops into view. It's all around us, and they know what they're doing. We've got to be strong and stand in the midst of all of that because they're at work and always have been. John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's up to. But look at this last truth today, truth number three. Our strength comes from the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you know what's interesting is that we're back at verse 10 now, okay? We've gone in reverse order. And what's interesting is that he doesn't say, hey, you guys, there's a battle going on, and here's, the, here's your enemy be strong in the Lord. No, he starts out with that. He goes, listen, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might because this is all going on under the surface. A.W. Tozer says this, I'm not afraid of the devil. It's true, the devil can handle me. He's got judo I've never heard of. But he can't handle the one to whom I'm joined. He can't handle the one to whom I'm united. He can't handle the one whose nature dwells in my nature. I love that. Praise the Lord for that. Because with the strength that we have inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can't handle that. 
and therefore he has no power here. The only power he has, the only stronghold he has is when we get all messed up in our perspective and when we're all bound up in the things of the world. That's what gives him a stronghold in our lives. Reminds me of this whole thing about be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Reminds me, and I close with this, the story of David and Goliath. If you remember, in the great valley of Elah, there was a battle going on. The Israelite army was on one side of the, of the valley, and on the other side were the Philistines, which are the enemies of God, and the enemies of God's people. And remember that the Philistines had this giant of a man, this monster of a man, nine plus feet tall, and he goes down there. He's a warrior, and they send him down into the valley, and he cries out to the people, and he says this to them, I am the Philistine champion. Choose one man to come down here and fight me, and if he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you'll be our slaves. And this is it right here. This is what the enemy's doing. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And the scripture tells us and describes the whole scene, how that the sound of Goliath's voice day after day down there in the valley defying the armies of Israel, King Saul and all the mighty men of Israel were terrified, the scripture says, and they rattled in their armor. The Bible goes on to tell us in this story that little teenager David comes along. And I've been there. This, you can actually go to the Valley of Elah where this, this battle took place. And when you're standing there, you can look back. And way in the distance, you can see the little town of Bethlehem where David was. And his dad said, hey, David, take this food. Go to your brothers. Check out what's going on down there in the battle and bring me back word. And when he gets there, he says, hey, guys, what's going on? And as he was talking, the scripture says, Goliath comes out taunting Israel, the Israelites just like he had for the last 40 days. No man would trust in the Lord and go take him on. And he goes down and uh, speaks out to them like he always had. And David says to King Saul, um, who's going to take this guy on? And Saul says, nobody. He goes, well, I will. And they all kind of laugh at him, you know, nervously laugh at him for that. But he goes, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. And the Bible says that David went out to meet Goliath armed with this, a staff, a sling, and five rocks, five stones. When Goliath sees him, he roars at him and he says, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? Come over here, you little pipsqueak, and I'll, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, David replied. And David replied, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. Get this now. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. What's he going in the power of? He's not going in the power of my little slingshot here. He's not going in the power of his great might. He's going in the power and the confidence and the faith of almighty God who is alive and well on the earth. And he walks into that battle knowing he's outnumbered, or not outnumbered, but outsized, of course. There's no way he can win. I mean, who's going to be able to take a little rock and throw it at a giant and kill him? Well, you can do a lot of things in the power of the Lord, in the strength of the Lord. He says, today, get this now, today the Lord will conquer you. So who's doing the conquering? Come on, who's doing the conquering? The Lord, who's doing the killing? 
David. So he's like, I go in the power of the Lord, but I'm his instrument. And that's what we are, my friends. This is a great story about us. I, he says, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and I will cut off your head and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and get this, this is the point, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people but not with the sword and the spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us, my friends, listen to me. This story and all the other stories in the scripture, the Bible says, are written for our instruction and our encouragement because this, this is how it works against our battles and the battles of the Lord. We go in the strength and the power of the Lord of hosts because the battle is the Lord's. How awesome is that? I end with this, 2 Corinthians 10. Verse three, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I don't know that I've ever done this, but I'm gonna end the sermon with a quote from another pastor because he just encapsulates this as Pastor John Piper on this subject, he says this, Satan's number one objective is to destroy our joy of faith. We have one offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. But what many Christians fail to realize is that we can't draw the sword from someone else's scabbard. If we don't wear it, we can't wield it. If the word of God does not abide in us, we will reach for it in vain when the enemy strikes. But if we do wear it, if it lives within us, what mighty warriors we can be. The battle is real. Take your Bible, okay? Just take it in your hand and stand with me. Stand like the mighty warrior that you have been called to be and hold out your sword. This is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Interesting that when you study the armor, all the other armor is defensive. This is your only offensive weapon. You know what we're all about here? We're all about equipping you, equipping the church to love God, that is submit to the Lord and to his word and live your life accordingly to love other people so that the whole world will know that we are his disciples and then to influence our world with what? Come on, what are we all about? With the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the simple reality of church. And so the whole point here tonight, today, you can go ahead and put it down because your arm's getting as tired as mine. The whole point, you know what? That's a bad thing to say. I should be so strong in my training that I never get tired of holding up the word of God, right? The whole point of church, the whole point of this is not to scare you, not to make you go out and be like, huh, afraid of everything around you because the demons are out there. No, it's to give you boldness to know that if you will get into the word of God and armor up, you can stand against the devil and when you stand and resist him, he will flee from you. 
and you will be victorious. The church of Jesus Christ will be victorious. And he will not be able to draw us away and weaken our influence in the world. Listen, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, praise God we live in a time where the invitation is open for you to come and receive the gift of salvation. Grace is available and we would love to, to meet with you. Please, if you don't know the Lord, come down here in the front. If you're online, you don't know the Lord, click for some help. There's a place for you right now that you can say, I want to give my heart to Jesus and I want to commit my life to Jesus. I would love to share that with you. For the rest of us, be more concerned about the spiritual battle than what's happening in your physical world. Armor up. Get into a Bible reading program. Be in the word daily so that you will not be sinning and that you'll have light to your path, that you'll find strength in your time of need. Armor up. Get in a Bible study with other believers. Get into a life group. If you're not in a life group yet, it's where you're doing life with other believers and you're being held accountable. Commit to being in church every single week so that you can hear messages that will strengthen you and challenge you to go out and convict you like I was convicted last week. That's what it's all about. Armor up so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Let me pray over you as I dismiss you now. Lord, I pray for strength for my brothers and sisters here. I pray that you will empower them with the Holy Spirit that's inside of them, that you will convict them of things they need to change and that they'll be in humility, have the courage to make those adjustments and to make those changes so that we can be powerfully used to stand against the devil. Help us in this, Lord. I pray like you prayed in the garden that you wouldn't take them out of the world but that you would protect them from the evil one as they go now and that you'll strengthen them in the spirit and use them mightily in our world. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name, amen. God bless you, my friends, as you go. God love you. Thank you so much for joining us for this morning's online service. Our hope is that it ministered to your heart deeply, and we pray that it inspires you to love God, love people, and influence our world with the gospel of Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, or you'd like prayer in your life, we'd invite you to fill out an online connection card by clicking on the link. If you haven't downloaded our church app yet, now's a great time. It has tons of resources and opportunities that you can take advantage of. Finally, you can check out our website, fbclcart.org, to stay connected with us. We hope you have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you right back here next week, same time.